energy. So the barber trims my beard all nice, like an artist. Now, I didn't tell him to do that. I wanted the beard gone. So then I went home and shaved it off completely after I was done. I felt horrible. The passion. Rafael Devers is the biggest contract in franchise history. He needs to be a leader for this Red Sox team. The opinions on all your favorite teams. Are the Patriots close to playoff contention? Yes. Are they close to Super Bowl contention? Hell no. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in on this Celtics post-mortem Tuesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show today. We're up for 40 minutes. 6.10 is the uh, out time today. Red Sox baseball comes up then. We're in a string of short shows now. We had a lot of full shows here over the last two weeks. Now we're on a string of short shows. 40 minutes today up until 6.10. We're brought to you by Fecto Homes, your total home solution in Montpelier. You can uh, see their banner behind me here on the Fecto Homes live stream if you're watching us on Facebook Live or on YouTube. You can also get in. On the text line, 802-585-3026. That is your Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line. Um, I, I just, I, I'm really floored by what we saw last night. That's it. I am really floored by what we saw last night. I, I've told you for weeks now that I haven't been as wrong on a team ever as I've been about these Boston Celtics. When I think they're going to win, they lose. When I think they're going to lose, they win. When I worry about them rolling over, they rise up. When I worry, when I'm confident in them meeting the task, they constantly underachieve. This Celtics team got beat yesterday on its home floor by 19 points. The season is over. It is a critical offseason, an offseason full of questions, questions about the coach, questions about your core, questions about all of it, questions about Brad Stevens in, in upper management, this is going to be a long off season for the Boston Celtics, and it's going to start real fast, right? It's a long off season in a short amount of time because you look at it, we're going to be at training camp here. It's hard to believe. We're going to be at training camp in three and a half months. Joe Missoula, Brad Stevens, coaching staff in general, Jalen Brown, all that is going to have to get figured out here. There's not much time to lick your wounds. A lot of stuff's going to have to happen here. Celtics beaten 103 to 84. I I am shocked. I was so confident yesterday. I'm sure it bordered on annoying arrogance. I was so confident the Celtics were going to win that game. And they just didn't come out and meet the challenge. Celtics were worse than Miami in really every possible way. Outside of Derek White's run in the third quarter, Miami was better in every possible way that mattered. Miami hit 14 threes, the Celtics hit nine. Miami shot 50% from three, the Celtics shot 21%. Miami was 49% from the floor, the Celtics were 39. Miami out-rebounded the Celtics by two. Miami had more assists by eight. Miami committed three less turnovers. Miami Miami just, they, they won the game. They won the game outright. Do I think the Celtics gave it to them? In some spots, yeah, too many turnovers, especially by Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brown had... Eight turnovers yesterday. Jalen Brown played terrible. One of nine from three, eight turnovers, a minus 17 plus minus. He was horrible. The team was horrible in a lot of ways. If Jason Tatum doesn't get hurt, do they win? They they certainly got a lot better shot. 
but it wasn't in the cards last night. And now we're left to ask the questions and we're left to seek the answers. I think Joe Missoula got a little exposed last night. And I've been a Joe Missoula fan. I would bring Joe Missoula back. Also, look, we, we, we are a month and a half into the offseason. A lot of teams that already have that that had coaching vacancies have hired coaches. I truly do not know who is out there. Okay, and if you want to tell me you want to bring in a retread like Mark Jackson or somebody, I'm not really interested in that. He hadn't coached in a decade, so I would bring Joe Missoula back. He got exposed yesterday, and it's disappointing. It's frustrating. It's understandable, though, given the situation that he was in. Eric Spolster is a very good coach with a lot of experience, and now he's got significant NBA Finals experience. But the Celtics felt like they had one way to win, and that was to shoot their way to a victory. Miami gave them something yesterday they hadn't seen, switching the pitch and pick and rolls, playing more zone, things they didn't do all year. Miami was able to do yesterday, and Eric Spolster was able to pull a lever that Joe Mazzulla couldn't counter. It is understandable. It is disappointing. I think Joe Mazzulla had a bad night yesterday. So did the rest of the Celtics. I saw people after the game criticizing the Celtics for taking too many threes. And why, why are you taking so many threes? And if they're not falling, if they didn't fall in game six, you got to change up the game plan. Yes, Joe Mazzulla and this team only had one way to win. That said, that way got them three victories in a row. Right? They always say you live by the three, you die by the three. A lot of people, and myself included, wanted to see the Celtics go to something different. But with your best player hampered, and Robert Williams had a stomach thing, that's why he only played 14 minutes. So with Tatum hurt and Williams hampered, what exactly is there to go to? The three-point ball got him back in the series. The three-point ball was going to be their ticket to win it. It didn't happen. It's disappointing, and it's frustrating, and I'm upset by it. But I don't, I don't criticize the fact that the Celtics took a bunch of threes. What I criticize is that they didn't necessarily take good threes. We heard in the first, in the last three games about, hey, pass up a good shot to get a great shot. Celtics didn't really do that. They didn't have many great looks yesterday. They were contested. They were forced. They were searching. They were desperate. And that's what was frustrating. But I don't hate that they took a lot of threes, period. I hate that Jason Tatum got hurt. I hate that Jalen Brown dribbled the ball off his foot 100 times, all of the above. Now, we're going to have Ben Steiner on here in about five minutes. He is uh, the lead guy over at Fast Break, which is part of the Sports Illustrated group. He's really, really good, really knowledgeable, and pretty prolific in his coverage of the NBA. So I'm going to ask him about the Celtics. I'm going to ask him about Missoula. I'm going to ask him about Jalen Brown. If we had a full show today, I'd totally vet this out. We don't. I'll give you my very quick synopsis right now. I don't believe that this core works. I don't believe that this core works championship level. We have seen it. Okay, We have seen it a lot. We've seen Jason Tatum get to the conference finals now, I think, four times. We've seen him get to the NBA finals before. We've seen Brown get to the conference finals five times or something like that. Or maybe it's three and four, but nonetheless, there's significant experience here. I don't think that this core, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, I don't believe that it works championship level. Really good, top four seed, yes, of course. They're that good naturally. 
but I don't believe that it works. That said, so let me back up. I don't believe it works. I believe if I were the Celtics, I would look to trade Jalen Brown. I will make phone calls. I will entertain offers. But I ultimately don't know that there's going to be a move out there that makes it make sense. It's kind of a lesser of two evils here. Where you you can run it back and know that it doesn't work, but know that the team will give hope and be interesting and be good. Or you can get rid of Jalen Brown and probably not be as good as you once were. You'll just be different. And I don't think either of those are a real happy outcome. So I don't know what the Celtics are going to do. I believe the Celtics will offer Jalen Brown a max contract. I believe they will not want to see him walk. I believe that Jason Tatum wants Jalen Brown back because he said he wanted him back. And that's going to carry some weight with the front office too in terms of if they want him back. Hey, our best player wants him. We got to make an effort. So I think that that's going to happen. I don't know what Jalen Brown wants. I don't know what Jalen Brown wants. And that's going to be the key to all of this. If Tatum wants him and the team wants him, then what it all comes down to is if Jalen Brown wants to be there. I would be okay trading Jalen Brown. But I just don't know if there's a good offer out there. I'm not in on the Damian Lillard stuff. I'm not. It doesn't accomplish what the Celtics need. 802-585-3026. Tech says, bottom line, lose three games at home in a series of seven. You'll never win. Bad shots taken. You have to put some of that on the coaches. Yeah. I think there's I think that the I think that it was good to have a three point dominant strategy. What wasn't good was how those shots were created. Joe Missoula needed to be able to pull another lever to get better shots. And that's the problem. Celtics did not get good shots. They didn't they couldn't create good shots. And some of that is on the coaches. I don't think that means you fire everybody. I think that means that a young guy got exposed and will learn. And I get that some people don't have patience, but I do. Okay, this is different. Joe Missoula's had one year at this. I'll bring him back. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have had three, four, five Eastern Conference Finals titles appearance, and they've never gotten through. They've never won the whole thing. That, to me, I think I've had patience with that core. I would be prepared to move on from Jalen Brown. I just don't know that there's a good answer out there to do it, so I don't know that it's actually going to happen. I think Tatum wants him. I think the Celtics will offer him, and then it comes down to what he wants. And if he wants out, then the Celtics are probably worse, but they're different because I don't think they're going to find great value for him on the trade market or at least commiserate value. And if he wants to stay, you're still good, you're still interesting, but you're still frustrating as well. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Travis says, do I think Jalen Brown will be at training camp in three months? I don't know. It's going to come down to 
what he wants. Right? I think that I think that is what it's going to come down to. If he wants to pull a Terry Rogier and go get money and glory, he very well might go into their office and say, I want out. If he truly thinks that the problems here are fixable and Missoula can get better in year two, then I'll I could see him being here. I just don't know that it's gonna work. Right now I'm leaning towards no. Texter says gotta move on from Rob Williams to injury prone. Um I think Rob Williams is a big part of this team. I just no longer think he is like the centerpiece. He's just a nice or or one of, you know, he's not part of a big three. He's a good player. He's a useful player, and they're better with him when he's healthy. But he's not a guy that you just bank on and say, okay, this guy's going to give me 19 a game and 14 rebounds. That's not going to happen. Ben Steiner, fast break, part of the Fan Nation Network on Sports Illustrated. He's going to be with us next. It's going to be quick. I'm going to get the, uh, get the call out to him. We'll be back here in about 30 seconds on DEV. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Shorter show today. We're only up until 610. Reason being Red Sox baseball. Sox taking on the Cincinnati Reds. Our coverage begins at 610. First pitch, 710. All 40 minutes of this show dedicated to the Boston Celtics and their demise. Despite coming back from 3-0 down to make it to Game 7, Celtics fell flat last night at TD Garden, losing by 19 to the Miami Heat. Their season is over. Joining us now for more of the postmortem is Ben Steiner over at the Fast Break Group, which is part of the Sports Illustrated family of networks. Ben, thanks for being with us. How are you? Yeah, of course, Brady. Good to be here. A great game last night. Uh, I know I know your Celtics, you know, it, you know, it didn't end the way you wanted it to, but you got to admit it was entertaining, the whole thing, the whole series. The whole series was entertaining. They certainly came close to – uh, to making history, it doesn't make it uh, doesn't make the defeat taste any better, though. Um, let me just ask you on the micro level. Last night, what was your impression of the Celtics? Just last night. You know, I think I think it was kind of what we thought the whole season long in terms of they're a group that's very talented but not consistent. So I think we saw the epitome of that. You know, they forced three like historic wins, almost. You know, essentially when you think about it, and then they go. And they just kind of just stink it up at home in a game seven. Isn't that kind of the epitome of their season, Brady, if you think about it? Yeah, it certainly is. They're a team that's frustrating to the very end of this season. Um, I'm not giving the Celtics the excuse, but I do wish we had gotten to see a fully healthy Jason Tatum. I wonder how much that truly impacted the game. Yeah, it's actually funny. Right before uh, we hopped on about an hour or two ago, I wrote something on um, you know what he said after the game, and it, it, so it's fresh in my mind. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's, he was honest. I mean, I, obviously, I'm sure he didn't want to make an excuse, but he was you know you know sometimes players will play it off. You know, let's not talk about it and move on to the next thing. But you know, he basically said he was a shell of himself, and he was really frustrated about it. And so you saw the limp. I'm sure you saw that video, and, you know, and a lot of people listening saw that video of him walking off the podium. Yeah. Or, you know, he, he clearly was limping. I mean. I'm not – I don't think he's milking that. I don't think he's making an excuse. I think he genuinely got hurt. I mean, if, I think if that was a regular season game, I mean, maybe he would have exited. What do you think? Oh, I think he would have exited. Well, I think he would have exited or at least he wouldn't have pushed it. He might have come back originally and seen how it was and then pulled himself. But I don't think he would have played more than 10 minutes in a regular season game, no doubt about that. Um, what's your overall impression and sense on Joe Missoula, who certainly uh, drew a lot of criticism early on in this series? So I never, you know, I never, you know, no one ever wants to advocate for someone to lose their job or anything of that nature. But when you really look at what happened, I mean, look, they were already a super talented team, as we mentioned. 
So it's not like it was a you know surprise that they were good no matter who was coaching the team. So I guess what I'm trying to say there is 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 the season was kind of a failure when you looked at it the way kind of the ups and downs and the three zero you know being down three zero they had to go seven with the seventy fixers and I was looking at a guy who is kind of learning on the fly. I mean I mean Brady I mean you you followed this team so closely throughout the season. Um, a lot of us you know we saw it during the season we especially saw it during the playoffs that it just it felt like he's gonna be a good coach in a, in a weird way he's gonna be a good really good coach but I think right now it felt like maybe he was kind of learning on the fly he's the youngest coach in the league. And so I don't, I'm not faulting him for that. It's just along the lines of, like, maybe this team needed, you know, your old-school veteran coach, like, hey, I've won a championship. This is how we do it. You know what I mean? It's going to be very interesting, too, because I think Joe Mazzula is going to stay, but it is going to be really interesting to see what happens with the assistants. I think we could all agree that if Mazzula is the guy – they're going to need some kind of veteran there on the bench alongside him. Their top assistant, Damon Stoudemire, left in the middle of the year. He goes to get the head job at Georgia Tech. The report came out earlier today from Brian Scalabrini, Celtics broadcaster, that he thinks multiple Celtics assistants are going to go to Houston to join Ime Udoka. So this could be an entirely new staff around Missoula. That's going to be a tough thing to navigate because I'm really not into the assistant coach world in the NBA, but they're going to need a couple of established ones. Yeah, that's a great uh, point. And actually, it's funny you said I'm literally standing in Midtown Atlanta right now, where I could walk to Georgia Tech. You know, where where <laughs> Stadtmeyer now runs the you know runs the program. So that's funny. Um, no, I'm sure that was a big loss too. Remember, that was I think I was in the middle of the season. If I'm not if I'm not yep. wrong. Yep. Uh, so that was a big loss. You know, that's your, one of your lead assistants. And then, like you said, I think that's going to be really important because I think when you are the youngest coach in the NBA, and for any coach really, you need to have a great staff around you. You know, when you when you get propped into the job right away, and you're you were with assistants you didn't necessarily pick. That's that's something interesting to think about. And a lot of these you know, coaches, you pick your staff. And so what I think is interesting is they need to have a veteran, like you said, you know, a really good assistant coach. I mean, remember when the Lakers won the 2020 NBA championship, Frank Vogel, you know, the next year, I think it was a year or two after he got fired. But guess what? Who was their lead assistant that season when they won the title? Jason Kidd. So mm. it's like if you kind of – if you look down and you dig deep at all these championship finals teams, they always have a stud assistant coach. So you make a great point there that this is going to be a pivotal summer for the coaching staff. And it's funny, we're going to have to really start delving into like, hey, the assistant coach world in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Ben Steiner with us from Fast Break, part of the Sports Illustrated group here on the Brady Farkas Show on this Tuesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know, when the Celtics are down 3-0, it's very, very easy for everybody to say, oh, just blow it up, just blow it up. This core doesn't work. Now that they pushed it to Game 7 and they showed heart and they showed resolve and the chemistry seemed to be better, where do you stand on this core and whether or not it should stay together? I'm open to both. So I, I'm totally against the people that say, just just, just break it up, you know, it's time to break it up. I mean, you've been to the conference finals five times in seven seasons, and your two best players are 25 and 26 years old. Come on now. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. You know, you know they didn't get it done. But, but, I mean, my gosh, 25 and 26 years old, and you've been to the conference finals five times in seven seasons. And four of those, Tatum was on the team. So, yep. I mean – I mean, I mean, they are in a great spot no matter what they do. I'm open to a trade of Jalen Brown if they get something significant in return. I don't think you go trade Jalen Brown just to avoid the extension and maybe get a couple first-round picks and a young player. I don't think you do that. If you can get a legitimate all-star back, but then I trade maybe anything that you think fits better on the team, okay, then I'm open to it. But if, 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 it's, just, if it's just to, oh, we don't want to pay him the Supermax and all that stuff, blah, 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 no, no, you got to keep him at that point. You can't just be – you can't just discord of a Jalen Brown. You know what I mean? You know what's interesting is, is I am with you. 
I'm in favor of breaking up the core, but I'm not in favor of just giving the core away. So if I'm going to trade Jalen Brown, I would have to get something of value. And the NBA is so weird and finicky about the rules. The money has to match, and I can't even keep track of it all. So the, there are people out there that say, oh, trade Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard. Well, that might work money-wise. That doesn't do anything for me, and I don't think it addresses the Celtics' issues. It just gets them old and not as good defensively. Um, I've I've heard... You know, maybe the Pelicans want to, you know, move on from Zion, and hey, he's young and he's exciting, but he's awfully, you know, awfully injury prone at this point. Is there somebody out there of of relatively commiserate value for Jalen Brown? You want to know something really funny? Is right before we hopped on, totally ironic. I didn't even I didn't even know you'd ask me this question. I actually tweeted that I that you know I you know it was it was just kind of a you know an opinion. You know, I wanted to see what people thought of it, and I was like, what would you guys think of it? of a Jalen Brown for Ja Morant swap. Hmm. If you really think or think about that for a second, Morant's obviously going through his struggles in Memphis, maybe needs to change the scenery. Boston's got one of the best cultures in all of sports. I mean, everybody plays well in Boston. Everyone does well in Boston. And then Jalen Brown fits that kind of grit and grind, Memphis defensive. You know, Jalen Brown's one of the best defenders in the league. I think I think that if, if well that trade would be very unlikely if it were something something of that nature. I think both players would be would reach new highs. I think Jalen Brown would turn into a legitimate superstar, and I think Morant would be really really think about it. you get Morant around guys like Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Derek White. You know what I mean? You get Morant in that in that group. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I thought about that last week, and I certainly could see Memphis wanting to move on from John Morant. But, like, Memphis is one of the smallest markets in the league and one of the most insulated markets in the league. If you can't succeed there, I don't see him succeeding in the big city of Boston and under that microscope. I'd be very wary of John Morant if I were the Celtics. So that's the, no, and, and, you're, and you're not wrong in that maybe – ideology of like, you know, hey, maybe if he's not, if he's starting going to a small market, how's he going to do on the big bright, you know, bright lights? But that's why I come in and say, look at the Celtics veterans. More, you, when you get under, you know, I think the NBA has really done a bad job at really finding the right veterans in some of these young teams. Look at Udonis Haslam on the Miami mm-hmm. Heat. He just, he epitome of culture. And I think that Marcus Smart is that for Boston. And you can also throw Al Horford, Derek White, like those guys I said in there. I mean, you you give you give Marcus Smart a young point guard like John Morant, you know he's going to take him under his wing, Brady, don't you? I mean, you know that Marcus Smart is going to take that guy under his wing and make sure he's Boston Celtics pride. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. We're talking with Ben Steiner here from Fast Break Group, part of the Sports Illustrated Group. Um, you know, I, I, here is where I think the Celtics are at. I think the Celtics are inclined to offer Jalen Brown the Supermax, and I think they look at it like, look, we're going to sign these guys, we're going to have this young core, and if it doesn't work out, we'll blow it up like Utah did, and we'll always be able to find something for our superstars that's pretty good. So I think they're inclined to sign him and kick the can down the road. I think Jason Tatum said rightly after the game yesterday, he wants Jalen Brown here. I'm trying to figure out what I think Jalen Brown wants, because... I could see him taking the money. He's big on the players' union, so I could see him taking every dollar because that ultimately moves the conversation forward for the for the players. I could also see him walking in and saying, I'm tired of being Robin to Batman when I think I'm just as good as Batman, and him asking for a sign-in trade. Where do you think he is at? Yeah, that's a great point, and I don't know if we know. I, I, I think that I don't. I, if, if I had to guess, I mean, I'm sure, like you said, I'm sure he's in a, I'm sure it, it, the Supermax would be, you know, what you'd want, especially when you're, you know, repping the players and everything like that. And, you, you know, and you, you're a superstar player, almost borderline superstar player in the league. So I think that if that's in front of him, he's going to obviously accept that. 
But I, but yeah, that's a good point. And it's also when you look at it like this, it's, we haven't seen Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum play with a star point guard. So think about that because because they've been the stars. You know what I mean? It's like yes, there was Isaiah Thomas for that. You know that they first tried season. it with Kyrie and he blew it yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. They did have Kyrie. They did have Kyrie. But but I but maybe what I was trying to go there. I think that's why that's why I blanked on Kyrie for a second was because I'm thinking dynamic duo. So like you just put Jalen Brown with a point guard. Or you just put Joyce Tatum with a point guard, and I'm thinking maybe, maybe, maybe so, maybe they'd be better off in that scenario. Instead, I'm saying instead of go get a point guard and have a big three, maybe that's when you make a trade. Maybe Jalen Brown goes somewhere else, and you bring, you know, up he gets to go with a good guard, and Tatum gets a good guard in return. I mean, we haven't seen that kind of dynamic point guard forward, you know, duo just one on one. And I think that maybe just having two star forwards, maybe just isn't the way and it may, like you said maybe we that's why i think a, a place like memphis something like that you see jalen brown reach new highs i think he's kind of being limited when you're playing next to a guy who plays the same way you do you know what i mean yeah you're absolutely so, right yeah. you're absolutely right about that the injury concern on zion is is obviously the big thing but that's the guy i think i'm most intrigued by in any kind of trade i don't know if new orleans wants brown and cj mccollum so maybe it doesn't even work for them but I'm kind of intrigued by the idea of Zion. Have you heard anything about if New Orleans is kind of tired of waiting him out? So I, I, I think that what we've seen, all indications that we've seen from New Orleans, is they, they seem to be full on, think about it, with the, with the shutting him down and the really taking it easy and allowing him to take his time, I think it, it appears as if they're very much in on him. Now, it's funny that you keep mentioning, I actually, and I think that Zion seems like a sweetheart of a kid, a superstar yep. talent, like very, you know, a fan of who he is, right? I've never met him, but I'm a fan of who he is. I actually am not so high on him because of all the injury history. Like, I wouldn't go trade a Galen Brown for, for Zion. You know what I mean? I would not think that that would be a good move. I, I, I'm I of the belief that that he's got to go to, like, a rebuilding team. You know what I mean? Who can just say, hey, take your time. Just take your sweet old time. Hmm. I, I'm not high on him, the player, right now. Interesting. Well, we have an offseason full of speculation ahead of us now because the Celtics are not in the NBA Finals, which begins Thursday between the Heat and the uh, and the Denver Nuggets. I've got the Nuggets winning that one. Uh, ben Steiner from Fast Break over at the Sports Illustrated Group. Ben, man, we appreciate you, and uh, we'll catch up down the road this offseason. Yeah, let's talk this offseason for sure. Well, we definitely will. We'll have plenty of time to talk all about it. Peter and Wilson says, I like the idea of John Morant to the Celtics. I do not. I did mention that last week. Ben just mentioned it. I'm not a fan of it. I, I, I'm a fan of culture. I'm a fan of good character guys. And I'm not saying that John Morant is a bad person, but John Morant is not what the Celtics need, right? It's, it's just, it's too risky for what the Celtics need. I would rather run it back with Jalen Brown than go get, John Morant. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander could be a good fit for the Celtics. Well, yeah, of course, but I don't think that that Oklahoma City is going to do that. Would I do it? Yeah, I probably would. I don't think they would do it. What we will do is we'll come back, react a little bit to what Ben had to say. The assistant coach issue is going to be a big deal for the Celtics. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll get to the Red Sox lineup. Sox taking on the Cincinnati Reds. Our coverage begins about 10 minutes from now at 610. So we'll have the lineups for you for the first game there at Fenway. Nice to be back from the West Coast, by the way. I know all of you are happy about that. And again, yeah, the assistant coach issue is going to be a big deal for the Boston Celtics. We will talk about that next here on the Brady Farkas Show, brought to you by Fecto Homes, your total home solution in Montpelier. Always streaming, by the way, at WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com and on our YouTube live channel and Facebook. 
Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV radio.com. Red Sox lineups coming up momentarily. I want to thank Ben Steiner for stopping by from the Fast Break Group. Uh, Fast Break Group, part of Sports Illustrated. We don't need the music anymore, people. Uh, me, I'm the people who played the music by mistake. The Celtics coaching staff is going to be really interesting because Joe Missoula, I think, would benefit from a veteran assistant, either a guy who's been a head coach who is just on his staff or a guy who's been a veteran assistant before is kind of that veteran mentor. I don't know who those guys are, right? I know who those guys are in the NFL, right? The Wink Martindales of the world. I know who the uh, the Vic Fangios are, the guys who have been coordinators for a long time. And I know Fangio was a head coach, but the, the, the good support staff guys. The Celtics would benefit from somebody like that. And they may need multiple new members of their staff. Because Scalabrini said today that several Celtic staffers could go to Ime Odoka's staff in Houston. So your top assistant, Damon Stoudemire, is gone. Now you might lose multiple assistants to Houston with Ime Odoka. That's a tough position to be in if you're the Celtics and if you're Joe Missoula. He needs some help. And I don't know that he has the, the connections to... You know, just go up and call up the equivalent of Jason Kidd or whoever Ben mentioned as being on the Lakers staff inside the bubble. This is a tough position for the Celtics. I think everybody recognizes that he needs a little help, but where is that help going to come from? That that I don't know. Texter says the Celtics should get Kenny Atkinson from Golden State for Missoula, and and that's fine. Like that would be good. A guy who's been a head coach and look, man, if you can deal with Kyrie in Brooklyn, then you can help. You know, you can help Missoula, but I don't know if a Kenny Atkinson wants that, right? Does he want to be a head coach? If he wants to be a head coach, then he's he wouldn't have that either in Boston or in Golden State. So I don't know what exactly he would want. But I would take any of those kind of guys. Heck, I would take the Mark Jacksons of the world as an assistant, older, former player, guy who's been a head coach, guy who's gotten the playoffs, guy who's watched a lot of games. I would take that kind of guy as an assistant head coach. I just don't know that guys like that want the job. I don't know that guys like that want the job. Red Sox back at home today off the West Coast. They are taking on the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds are 24-29. and They're in third place in the NL Central. The Sox are 28-25, fourth place in the AL East. The Reds have a young, interesting core, and it's getting better by the day. Okay, The Reds have one of the most exciting prospects in all of baseball in Ellie De La Cruz. They have several other high, highly rated prospects. They got a couple guys injured. The Reds are coming. They may not be there yet, but this is not a guarantee you know, sweep for the Red Sox. Red Sox split with the Reds last. I think I swept by the Reds in two games last year at Fenway. So Ben Lively is pitching for Cincy. He's 2-2 two two with a 2-6-5. Brian Bayo for the Sox, 3-2 with a 4-0-8. TJ Friedel will lead off for Cincy in center. Matt McClain, the young rookie, he is the NL Player of the Week. 380 he's hitting right now. Jonathan India is at second. Jake Fraley is the designated hitter. He hits cleanup. Tyler Stevenson's the catcher. He bats fifth. Spencer Steer, another youngster, is at first base batting sixth. Nick Senzel, a former top prospect who's starting to pop a little bit. He's at third. Will Benson's in left, and Stu Fairchild is in right. For the Red Sox, 
Rymel Tapia is in right. No Alex Verdugo today. Rafael Devers is back. He's at third. Justin Turner's the DH. Masataka Yoshida, the left fielder, he bats fourth. Jaron Duran is in center. He's batting fifth. Duran slumping down to 297. Tristan Casas is up. He's at 200 now. He's at the six-hole hitting uh, or playing first. Kike Hernandez is at short, batting seventh. And Manuel Valdez is the eight-hitter at second. And Reese McGuire is the catcher, and he bats ninth. Red Sox and Reds coming up less than 30 seconds from now. Sox looking to come off the heels of a 4-5 and five road trip and start a home slate here off on the right foot. And then remember, divisional week coming up after this against the Tampa Bay Rays for the weekend, including a doubleheader on Saturday. Sox want to start this week off on the right foot. Brian Bayo and Ben Lively. We'll talk about it all tomorrow. Freddie Coleman and Tom Karen of Nesson will be with me tomorrow on DEV.